Buongiorno mondo, and welcome back to 15 with Vasco, the podcast. Today I'll be continuing my conversation with Justin Randolph-Thompson, artist, cultural facilitator, educator, and Florence-based U.S. expat. Last week, Justin spoke about the birth of Black History Month Florence and the recovery plan, and shared with us what's behind all the amazing initiatives and events that BHMF is putting on all over town this February. Stay right where you are to hear more from Justin about Whole Rest, the ninth edition of BHMF, as well as his journey to Italy, his work, his art, and his life here. Grazie mille e buon ascolto. I, I want to get back to, before we, we talk a little you more about this to, edition. Sorry, yeah. if you wanted me to say something about an event I'm particularly excited I do. about. I um, do. You know, with this uh, edition, um, uh, the, I think I mentioned the exhibition that's at Murate. Uh-huh, Yeah. That exhibition comes with the collective that we created actually coming here to Florence. Oh, fantastic. So they'll all come to Florence and we'll be together. But every year, I think the thing that most inspires me is we have a research residency dedicated to young Italians of African descent called YGBI. And this year, um, uh, it's been supported by Solo Nations Foundation. It's fantastic. Um, it's the Wonderful. second year they've supported us. Um, we have been able to connect with the Social Hub, which is used to yeah. be a student hotel. Mm-hmm. And they're also in support of our work. And so finding people that are willing to invest in young people and then also have an outlet for it. So we're working right now to get uh, the presentation of these younger artists who are all performers, uh, by the way, we select them in that way this time, um, to be involved in public programs with, with places like Museo Pecci, um, with spaces like Congo, mm-hmm. uh, where we're doing performance work as well. That's really, for me, to see all that stuff overlapping, to have YGBI in the same space as the Reposes Resistance Collective, these are the things that are really what we stand for. Yeah. Um, when we can just sit back and watch those interactions that we know will radically change the, the future. Yeah, and it sounds exactly like that. And I'm excited to, I'm gonna go because it sounds phenomenal and it's exactly the kind of thing that I really push for in a lot of ways. Um, really intergenerational, international conversations listening to our young people, fostering creativity on every level, and really reflection. I think something that you said at the beginning has really been resonating with me um, about how we really do need to stop right now. And it's not, um, it's, a, it's a contemplated um, reflection about how we're gonna move forward. Um, and I love this notion of recalibrating value because I think that um, there are many of us who are working on these things um, because we don't see another alternative. Right. The alternative is frightening. Right. Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, so in 2019 was the very first time Black History Month uh, gave a theme. Yeah. And it was Adagio. Yeah. Um, and it was simultaneously sort of a uh, command, like, hey, uh, proceed slowly and carefully. That's right. But it was also a request, um, you know, to think about how we actually might need to slow down if we're gonna deal with complexity. And the world continues to get more and more complex. And it's impossible to deal with complexity if you're running. It's actually impossible to think about repose and real rest if we're constantly running. Exactly. Uh, And I think that the cycles of uh, productivity and production have seemed to be detailed for us by capitalism in a Mm -hmm. way that uh, doesn't 
really understand how art and cultural production works. Um, so that when people call me a workaholic, I'm, I'm like, sure, okay. Yeah. I'm like, but you do recognize that I'm not like going to some office right. and punching the clock for some, some business. No, right? you're like, working for the greater good. Right? It's a right? big this work deal. is something else. And right. so it's not that I don't want it to be understood as labor, but you have to understand how different Mm-hmm. that labor is yeah. and what's involved in it. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and how all-consuming it is. Absolutely. I want to ask you a really hard question, sure. a really dangerous question. Okay. We're both Americans. We've both been living here for a long time. Yeah. I have always found Italians to be very racist. I'm going to just put it right out there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier, just a few minutes ago, about sort of, you know, Italians, you know, white Italians saying, this, you know, black history in, in Italy has no relationship to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard, let's say, um, things expressed in a much different way, um, not only in terms of blackness, but I would also say in terms of anything deemed other, and here I'm making the little quotation marks with my, with my hands because we don't have the help of video. I would like to hear your thoughts on that, um, especially as a longtime resident, as an American, as an activist. And then I also want to talk a little about visibility, because I think you you spoke about it so eloquently before, and you did a, another project where I first sort of got to know you was your on being present work that you did at the Uffizi. And I think that speaks directly to sort of your childhood experiences of building up your book collection in the hope of finding you know, kindred spirits, but also examples for you as an artist, as, you know, for everything that then you were pursuing. So I'm asking you some hard questions, but I figure we may as well cut to the chase. It's almost at the end of the conversation. I think, you know, when it comes to to, uh, racism, I think... uh, It's really... Most societies uh, have have racism all around them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of societies have a little more opportunity to talk about it, mm-hmm. and so um, to have an experience of actual dialogue that might produce some level of change. Um, unfortunately, the context of Italy has not been one where that dialogue has been very present. Yeah. And when it was present, um, people forget about it quickly. Um, it's, a, it's a place where are very forgetful mm-hmm. about even very recent history. Um, and so, um, you know, I always think that um, some people might deem our space and our work as anti-racist work, but uh, I really think of it as, as a recentering. Um, so recentering around blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that is of service to anti-racist activists. Um, we're aligned with them. But um, we have to move beyond um, uh, the antagonistic position of always having to be in conflict with racism, Mm -hmm. especially because we're tasked with a lot of times dealing with it when we're not the constructors of it. Um, And so, um, you know, I think uh, I want to say it was Toni Morrison. I think it's Toni Morrison who says the. I, I could be mistaken, so I'll back it up and say either Tony Morrison or Maya Angelou, I can't recall which one in a right. speech, said that the real role of racism 
is to distract us from the work that we have to do. Hmm. So that we spend a lot of time working to disprove theories that are based on nothing. And so how much energy and time has been spent trying to deconstruct stuff that has been done on purpose against us, not by us. And so I think, you know, for me, um, uh, I try uh, through the work that we do here um, to uh, move beyond too many reflections on, on, on racism. We definitely look at moments of anti-racist activism of the past and try to make sure that people are aware that there's a long legacy of this in Florence. Yeah. And um, we're supportive of networks um, here as well. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 I can't really tell if, uh, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't create a comparison. I have difficulty with cultural comparisons. So to say Italy versus the United States, sure. for example, my experience growing up in the United States, it was racism that brought me to live in Italy. And so, um, you know, and I didn't come to Italy because racism was absent, uh, but I came because the perspective on it was was formed and informed by something else. Exactly. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, and then, I mean, um, you talked a little bit about sort of, um, I'm trying to think where you were, because you, you brought me down another path as you well. Can see. Yeah, so about presence um, and um, visibility. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I think when I first uh, moved here and first started going to museums um, and I encountered those first images of black figures in those museums, um, I was drawn to them. Um, I really, I walked into the museum and I walked around and I would walk until I found someone. Yeah. I was looking for them, really. Um, and that, I almost say it's like akin to, there's a, an experience for a lot of uh, black, black Americans, especially um, where we scan the room when we walk in, mm -hmm. uh, see who's in there. Like, so we'll go in the room and be like, okay, there's another black person over there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And whether that's an academic conference or a class or whatever, uh, because sometimes it's just about seeing what the context you're walking into. And there might be a little acknowledgement, a head nod or whatever. Okay. I see you. Right? Um, and that's what I feel like I was doing in these museums. Mm -hmm. I was essentially saying, I see you. Yeah. And uh, because I was finding almost no documentation of these figures, I was imagining they weren't very seen. Mm -hmm. um, and that disturbed me greatly. I wanted to know about who these individuals were and what they were there to represent. Yeah. Um, because it was clear that they represented a historical presence that was underdocumented. Yeah. But it was also clear that they were super important because there's not that many people that are chosen to be in paintings. And so, um, yeah, the process, I mean, working with On Being Present uh, was a two year research uh, program, uh, project, uh, and virtual exhibition in the Uffizi Galleries, um, looking at black presence in their collections, Palazzo Pitti, uh, the Uffizi Galleries, and then they have other works in different parts yeah. of the city. Um, we brought together 15 historians and art historians to look at 22 different images. And really, we're not even halfway through the number of images that I just know offhand right. without even really digging through the archive. And so 
Um, on Being Present was designed as a platform to be going into museums and developing a way to think about art history and the visual culture that's there that can tell us more sometimes than the written archive can. Um, and how do we rectify these things? Yeah. Um, and um, at the same time, we really were able to sort of expand that work with Uthpitsi through an exhibition we did dedicated to Sammy Bologna a year later uh, in 2022, um, where we worked with him on um, uh, a grouping of objects that are from the Kingdom of Congo that arrived in Cosimo de collection in the 1500s, and really wanted to look at how things get classified, classification. Yeah. So these objects arrive as like, uh, most likely as diplomatic mm -hmm. gifts. Gifts, yeah, sure. And then they get reclassified, and a lot of them have been placed in ethnographic collections, and so they've been placed amongst objects that have been looted um, from other from places like Congo right. um, under uh, colonial rule. And so it's intriguing how the entire narrative gets shifted and displaced in the process. Um, and then what we're left with is what's on being presented in museums. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, visibility, it's, I, I, we did something that hasn't been published yet, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but we worked with a, a young artist who was part of YGBI, Ismail Lowe is his name. And we worked with him to um, create a data visualization chart that looked at the presence of artists of African descent in residencies, exhibitions, and um, collections of museums across major cities in, in, in Italy. In, in, um, in Italy, okay. In Italy. And we charted that from 1997, I think, okay. through today, and um, just kind of created a graph. So it wasn't numeristic, because we were relying entirely on the websites, and so however efficient those archives were. Yeah. Um, but what was intriguing to look at, and this is, I think, a good way to kind of also maybe close uh, in terms of visibility yeah. and our impact, um, is that when you look at the city of Florence before 2016, and we look at collections and the presence of black artists, um, it's, it's essentially non-existent. It's, it's not that there weren't any, but the numbers were so low to be insignificant. Okay. Um, after 2016, Florence becomes the city where the most black artists have shown. And that is because of our work. Fascinating and to so see that like concrete number. In a small number. amount of time. Yeah, very small amount. It's a radical change. I mean, the increase, I, I don't even want to get into it. It's like, you know, like 500%. Yay. It's a stupid increase. And I think that when we think about the impact that can be had, that kind of thing is very telling because it doesn't take some major funder organization to come in and do these things, um, to shift that tide. And, um, you know, I think that once that tide has been shifted, um, another thing that happens is, is that uh, if I look at the number of people of African descent who have come to live and work in Florence in dialogue with us, um, or the people that have stayed on That's because right. of our work. That's a huge um, thing, it's, it's, Justin. It's a lot of people. And, um, I think that people recognize that there is no real specific place for thinking about blackness in the context of Italy. So why not Florence? You know, it could basically be anywhere. Right. Um, and I think that uh, the the work that we do and um, the way that we um, share space, the way that we involve people, um, has been really uh, welcomed 
Yeah. And um, I'm just hoping that just like Black History Month was replicated and expanded through Torino, Bologna, mm -hmm. Milan, um, that other platforms, Black Archive Alliance, I would love for people to pick up and be doing archival research in cities that they're in, sharing that. Yeah. Uh, I would love for more people to be mentoring young artists. I would love I for more people to be thinking about workshops dedicated to positionality, dedicated to the sharing of, of knowledge through libraries. Um, these are all things that, that you don't need like a degree no, to no. do. Um, and we've spelt it out pretty clearly in terms of how right. we've done it. Um, so my hope is just that it picks up and again that when these things get picked up more autonomous, autonomously by people, they apply their own vision to it. Right. And it, it makes it makes this entire society better for all of us. I agree. Not I just agree. us. All no, of no, I agree hundred <laughs> percent. I want to just, as we do, um, sort of tie up our conversation, I want to get back to um, to your story, a little bit about your story, because we haven't talked about it too much, except for your mentioning, sort of leaving the United States because of racism. So coming to Italy, um, I want to know sort of why you came and why you stayed, yeah. um, and also how, how you've seen it change, you know, how things have changed both here in Italy and more specifically in Florence, but also sort of tell us like a little bit about why, yeah. why you left. Uh, I mean, um, leaving the U.S., um, I lived in a lot of different places in the U.S. growing up. Mm -hmm. My family moved around quite a, quite a bit. And um, so I was never really attached to any geography. I was attached to people, family. Mm -hmm. um, and I was always very hungry to learn new techniques. Yeah. I studied uh, with many different professors. I always wanted to go to a new summer school just to get some other techniques, yeah. learn some new right. things. And um, I think at some point I started to feel like my, my complete ignorance to anything outside of the United States was becoming a problem. Yeah. Um, and um, I decided that I needed to do study abroad. Um, and I'd taken an art history course, which I really did not like, but it talked mm -hmm. about Florence. And that course that I did not like placed Florence in my mind, and so I decided I would come here. Um, simple as that. I, I disliked that course so much that I avoided the museums for the first year I was here. Wow. I didn't go in. Um, because everything I saw and everything that was said to me was so disheartening when it comes to art and making art today. Yeah, um, that must be hard. So I can't imagine being a visual artist and yeah. and having that, for being a young visual artist mm -hmm. and having the impact of a place like Florence okay. and serve to you in a certain way, if you right. will. Right. right, well, I think it's that, that I, well, you know, if you're critical, and I am, mm -hmm. uh, when somebody tells you all this history of the Renaissance, right. you, you know that you're looking at extremely wealthy rulers paying artists to create propaganda about their power. Yeah. And as a visual artist, I had zero interest in doing that. Right. Right? Um, and so as much as I could appreciate the beauty and the work, I was thinking to myself, okay, so... Why should I go in those? These spaces are not for me. Yeah. Um, they're actually hostile to me, right? Um, and so I, I think that that was part of it. But then, I mean, you know, growing up in the United States, I also, um, I had, I think we can leave it open, whether it was racism, racial profiling, 
or whether it was uh, the fact that I'm a nonconformist. I've always been. I've always stood out no matter where I am. It's just how I am, who yeah. I am. And I don't respond well to authority. I've always had consistently um, problems with authority. Okay. Lack of trust, lack of interest, mm -hmm. sometimes lack of respect. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Um, and so I had a lot of tangles with police growing up. Okay. Um, I had a lot of encounters with police from when I was really young, and they were really unpleasant. Yeah, everyone. I can imagine. And um, because I was not someone who did anything really wild, I didn't live a wild life, um, landing, uh, being arrested multiple times, um, really showed me that essentially the police could do whatever they wanted with me. Yeah, it's frightening. I think at some point I saw and I thought to myself, you know what, if I stay here, I'm gonna end up in prison for nothing. And I'll be sitting there rotting away in a prison for nothing. Um, because the encounters just became more and more and they made me more and more fearful. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, it, when I returned, so I studied here for a year. When I returned to the United States, um, I was arrested and I spent the night in a New York City jail cell with 30 men. Oh and uh, that experience, which, you know, if I'm really getting into it, we, it was people being arrested under Rudy Giuliani's. Yeah, New I was going to say his cleanup. Thrown, yeah. up, thrown away from <laughs> nothing. I mean, I know. so we were in there telling stories and it was mildly entertaining if we hadn't been completely arrested sleeping on a floor, you know, uh, of a jail cell without even being marked our, our, our fingerprints and stuff. You know? Right, just sort of being held so, for whatever reason. That experience right after being in Italy and seeing the interaction with police here where I, I encountered plenty of police and they were definitely racially profiling, but I never feared my life, mm -hmm. and I never feared being arrested. Yeah, um, it's just a different kind of interaction. Mm -hmm. And so, being back in the United States, as soon as that happened, I said, "I need to leave. I think I'm done." Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, that wasn't the only thing. I, sure. I, I also returned to the Tennessee, which is where I was studying, and I had studied for a year. And my uh, professors, uh, three older white gentlemen, denied my credits, so they asked me to repeat a year. Um, of school. Uh, I'm sorry, not a year, a semester, but okay, nonetheless, money. And their reasoning was not acceptable. Uh, I mean, I had more credits than I needed. And so all of they said, they said, you missed out on not being in Tennessee. So these experiences spoke to me of the lack of vision yeah. and the sense of, of uh, helplessness that people feel in forcing other people into situations that are really bad. Yeah. Uh, whether we're talking about police, you know, or these power trips and everything else feel like they have to buck up their authority on it's you ridiculous. as a kid, you know? Um, or whether that is as professors deciding that you're gonna punish somebody who went and had probably the richest cultural experience of their life, you know? Um, and so, I just needed to leave. Yeah. And so, uh, fortunately, I already had plans to leave because when I was here studying, I met my wife. Okay. And uh, my wife, who um, you know, now I've been married to for 23 years. Um, when we met, it was yeah, it was really determined that I would be coming here to live. Yeah. And that I would have to figure out how to live without like my 
relatives and then friends and everything That's like right. that and construct a new life. Um, those things overlap with each other. So I was in love. I wanted to come here. I was in love with this place. Right. Um, I was in love with the fact that the second I got to Florence, I, I think it was like day two, I was sitting on a corner with a friend of mine who I just met who was from Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, hanging out with a guy from Mali and a guy from Nigeria just drinking a beer on the street. And the fact the fact that that was happening right then and that was normal. Yeah. You would encounter people from all over the world. I always said right? that's the best thing about Florence, right? That, and that that was just incredible. I didn't even know what those places were right. they were coming from. Right. Um, so inspiring. Um, and and then, you know, I've always had a, a bit of uh, resistance to a certain idea of labor mm-hmm. and um, I think that arriving in Florence where value is placed on life much more than it is on work it was key Yeah, it was key I was much more interested in living a certain kind of life than I was in making a certain amount of money yeah. um, and that's really what sustains me here and being here and then the recovery plan Black History Month Florence those were built to make up for all the things that I was not okay with. Yeah. You know, um, there was a lot about this place that I had huge issues with mm-hmm. and I needed uh, to create something that would allow me to make more space, more, more sense for me. Right. And that's, that's how that happened. Um, and it, it continues to feed me. I mean, uh, I still, uh, I'm hypercritical anywhere I go all the time. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. But I've been here in Florence. I moved here when I was 21 and um, uh, never had any intention of returning to the United States. And uh, uh, every time I go back, the same paranoia as I had as a kid return. They return to me. Um, uh, yeah, travel creates, like leaving Florence creates anxiety for me, believe it or not. I no, do it no, anyway. No. Because you have this to. Is the world. You also you work a lot. This is the world. You're, you're also, but but it's exactly it's exactly that. I think it's really it's it's disheartening, and I I don't want to end the conversation on a negative note, but it it's sad to me that because I feel a lot of the same things as well when when going back. So I want to close this up on a positive note. Um, we didn't talk enough about your art, mm-hmm. um, so hopefully we'll be able to do that at another time in the future. Sure. But in just two minutes, do you want to tell me what you're working on right now? What's exciting to you right now? What's next for you, Justin? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I always have like a million things happening. And um, uh, right now I have a grant that's supporting my work um, that is um, the Creative Capital Grant. Um, it's actually a very important grant I've been applying to for 15 years to get. Um, and Creative Capital essentially uh, supports artists who are pushing the boundaries of the mediums in which they work. Yeah. So they're looking for experimentation, mm-hmm. uh, looking for people that might not be able to define what they do. And because for me as an artist, um, the recovery plan is a big part of what I do. It is, yeah. Um, so it, it might not be able to be defined as art, but it's definitely part of my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that grant has been, uh, I want it to create a project for the next, uh, now, four years, um, dedicated to the legacy of my grandfather, um, who uh, is Randolph Brommer is his name. And uh, he's a very important historical figure. And um, uh, essentially, I've been thinking about forms of commemoration and monuments that don't actually have to deal with ideas of permanence. 
Uh, so building communities to come together and reflect upon these histories and the legacies that have been created by them. Uh, thinking about how we might plan ahead for the next 50 years of what we're working on and how we might actually really invest in making that happen and maybe that's a legacy work. Uh, attending to, my grandfather wrote extensively uh, big plans that were never enacted um, despite the enthusiasm that was around his world and work. Um, he accomplished a lot. But when I look back at those plans, I think, okay, well, maybe we just pick, maybe I don't even have to write a new project. Let's just pick up on what he's, what he was working on then. Incredible. Um, so that's one thing I'm working on. And uh, that project involves uh, the state of Massachusetts, Alabama, uh, Maryland, and now I've been expanding it a little bit. Um, and um, then I have, a, I have a performance coming up uh, uh, very, very soon. Okay. First days of February, I'll be in Lagos, Nigeria for the first time. Uh, there's the Lagos Biennial, and uh, I was asked to do a performance there. And uh, they're looking at the legacy of a festival that took place in 1977 called Festac, which was mm. um, a transnational festival around blackness in Nigeria. And um, I am creating, uh, I guess I'm creating a film piece and performance together with uh, Jermaine Mikhail Gabriel, like mm -hmm. I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, that's really looking at the, some of the histories of Pan-Africanism and um, how we might learn from some things that were charted so long ago. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing, right. It's crazy. It's essential what we're involved in. So I'll be there doing that Wonderful. and um, with, uh, um, uh, with uh, the last thing I'll mention is uh, I've been uh, very fortunate to meet and be in dialogue with so many absolutely incredible artists who I've mm -hmm. collaborated with years and um, created a great relationship with. And uh, one of those artists uh, is Neri Ward, um, who's uh, an artist. Uh, who, he'll be in the exhibition that we're doing at Murate. Okay. Um, he's based in Harlem. And we met, um, he's been showing in Italy since the 90s. Um, and I studied him in my textbook in mm -hmm. university. Yeah. Um, and we met around 2008, something like that. And, you know, have always had great, great dialogue. Um, and so he has a solo project coming up at Hangabikoka in Milan. Mm -hmm. um, and for that project, he's asked me to collaborate with him because it's a series of works he created in collaboration with a choreographer, Ralph Lemon. Mm. Um, and he wants uh, a collaboration with me to play the same role of activating these sculptures, uh, activating the space, and doing so in a way that's really connected to the local environment. And so, um, there's a series of nine performances I've developed with a group of people. It's called Groundings. Um, and um, I'm really excited about it because, of course, someone who I really look up to has asked me to collaborate in this way. And uh, it's, uh, it's great to be tasked with that yeah. um, and to work towards it, to be in this kind of dialogue with him. Um, I guess, lastly, we're also, the Recovery Plan is partnered with the South African Pavilion at the Venice Biennial. Um, oh, and so fantastic. we're working on with them on their public program. So from April through November, um, we'll be working with them on uh, some public events that will be happening in Venice around the pavilion itself, mm -hmm. um, but also in Florence. We really want to really also think about what it means to bring that work uh, and the reflections around. So we'll be doing things at the recovery plan and we're trying to set something up in another city in Florence, oh, I mean, cool. in Italy as right. well. Um, so those things are all forthcoming and I'm, right. I'm very excited about them. And I don't know what, there's so much more, right. but I think that that's probably 
uh, enough that it gives you a sense of me having my hands full. Uh, yeah, and I think it's funny because I, I, I don't know how you managed to get, get it all done. We've talked for you know about an hour now, and, and I haven't even asked you like any of the questions, questions. I had prepared, <laughs> but I knew that would happen. I want to thank you so much for taking this time, but for also just for everything you've done for Florence. I think you, from my point of view, we've been here around the same time. I mean, the city has changed for sure, but what you've done, um, for at least from my point of view, is you, you've created these kind of bridges, this kind of community. You've made such a huge impact already, right? And what you're doing is just continuing to um, ignite these um, lovely little, you know, little, these incredible, um, you're planting incredible seeds. And so thank you for the work that you've done. I hope we can talk again. Um, maybe I'll come to one of your performances or we'll figure out a way to also get a video interview to, to show some of the work you're doing because sure. it's just, it's, it, all, it all sounds incredible. Yeah, thank, thank you again. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. And I'm happy to contribute this and ready. I'll be diving into installing an exhibition we open tonight. So. Exactly. So I'll let you go. Grazie mille. Yeah. Alla prossima.